sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. For this guy, absolutely incredible. And he looks so good doing it, too. I mean, there were times with the Texans, they didn't even touch him. There were times he was running at the end zone untouched. I don't even know how that happens, but uh, incredible job by him and an incredible spot performance by Alexander Madison, who disappointed people earlier in the year when he had this opportunity with the backfield to himself. And we talked about it at length on Sunday about you have to take another shot at this. The matchup against Detroit's too good not to. And if you did, you certainly ended up probably doing pretty well with Madison in your lineup. All right, Week 17's wide receivers also came through in a big way. Speaking of which, Marvin Jones capped off his season, a really good one, too. Eight receptions, 180 yards, and two touchdowns for him. Sterling Shepard's had a quiet year, but he had a great Week 17. Eight receptions, 112. Uh, Also had two carries, 24 yards, two touchdowns on the day. Antonio Brown racked up 11 receptions for 138 yards and two touchdowns. Tom Brady threw the ball to him four different times at the end of the game to get him a little bit of extra cash. I saw that $100,000 for Brown reaching his goal. Chris Godwin, five for 133 and two scores. Isaiah McKenzie had three touchdowns for Buffalo yesterday. One was on a punt return. And then with Houston just continually not stopping the defense, the offense had to keep getting back on the field, and Brandon Cooks was the beneficiary of that. 11 receptions, 166 yards, and two touchdowns there. Jefferson also had a big day. Gage had a big day. A.J. Brown, it seemed like everybody did in Week 17. There was not a lot of defense played in general, Joe, in, in Week 17. <laughs> I guess the exception was that Sunday night game last night. But for the most part, yeah. lots of big games for a lot of players, and, and it'll be interesting to see as they carry on to Week uh 18 here in the uh, in the playoffs. I'm curious, those guys who had big weeks on Week 17 teams that didn't really matter, like as you mentioned with Dobbins and Baltimore, like they just blew them out. I wonder if Indianapolis is running back uh, against you know Jacksonville. Taylor just went crazy, and and you wonder because a lot of the names here on this list are are not players who are going to the playoffs. So we'll see guys like Godwin, McKenzie too. Yeah, well, look, you've also got Jones, who was looking at free agency. So I think some players wanted to kind of leave a lasting impression, as you so astutely pointed out before. And, uh, you know, Antonio Brown got his little bonus. Emmanuel Sanders got his bonus. He got $500,000 with his 60th catch. So that was that was a lot of money that Drew Brees made sure he got his due there. But, uh, look, in terms of the wide receivers, certainly no doubt about it. There were some huge performances here. And, and, and in terms of Week 17, we always talk about the pay lines and DFS are always going to be higher on FanDuel Week 17 because of the defenses and what's going on. Things get very loose. And a perfect example is I had my best lineup all year in the Million Dollar Contest, uh, 192 points. I was really proud of it, and it made a whole whopping $12, Craig. So lunch is on me, my friend. You and I are going to go to the dollar menu and live it up at McDonald's next time you're in New York City. It's going to be a wild time for us. But, I mean, that just puts it in perspective, right? 192, and it doesn't really even move the needle. That's what you needed to do this week. And and certainly, if you didn't have Henry or Madison or some of these combination of guys, you just you were missing out. There was no way you were even going to compete. But uh, McKenzie was the uh, pleasant surprise of this group, too. Buffalo stepping up with Cole Beasley out of this game. John Brown came back healthy, but no Cole Beasley. Uh, I tell you, I was just super impressed with Buffalo, and I, I wasn't surprised. Uh, you know, I felt... It was kind of tenuous for Miami to go in January to Buffalo and win a football game. And and certainly without Ryan Fitzpatrick, that kind of breaking news on Friday and Saturday, that kind of changed the dynamic quite a bit. So, um, look, it's a tough way to end the season for the Miami Dolphins, who I think 
year over year continue to improve, which is encouraging. But, um, you know, the Buffalo Bills just kind of putting that stamp on it. Josh Allen, you know, just an impressive showing again for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, Allen had a fantastic year, and and I think that, I mean, he's not going to win the MVP of the league, but he could easily finish second or third. He had a fantastic season, and, um, you know, I, I did not think that Buffalo would play him. I did not think Buffalo would actually play their players like most teams in the NFL do. They sit guys, but they chose not to, and the game was not particularly close. They absolutely blew them out. Uh, Miami now has to kind of make some key decisions going into the offseason, but they're most important decision that they're going to have to make, I don't think it's the quarterback. I think that they're going to have to get players around that guy. You cannot have those receivers and running backs and even some of the offensive linemen and even have a clue whether or not Tua is is good or not. And Tua did not look good yesterday, has not looked great this season for sure. But the supporting cast for Miami's offense, I, I think, is as bad as any team in the NFL. So, um, yeah, I, I think that they, I think that they got to well, take a very close look. You know, they yeah, had no Devontae Parker. They, they had Parker no is good. Williams. You know, Williams was hurt, too. Parker, is, is there one player in the NFL that would start on any other team at any position on their offense outside I mean, of Parker? Yeah, I mean, look, Gaskin had some moments this year. Gasecki had some moments this year. But, look, the good news is if you're Miami, you got a very early pick now thanks to the Houston Texans. So that's a good spot for you. Maybe you draft an offensive lineman and start there. Yep, third pick overall in the draft, thanks to Houston. Okay, coming up next, we'll dive into the early game in the NFC. The Giants and Dallas Cowboys go through the fantasy ramifications from that, and then we'll move on to Buffalo and Miami. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid, Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia. It's time for us to go back and take a look at our final week of the regular season in the NFL. Hopefully none of you had your fantasy championship riding on Week 17. I would imagine not. Week 17 is always dicey, and that definitely proved to be the case this past week. Let's run through all the games here for you, one by one. Giants and Cowboys will start there, as this was the game that basically could have gotten one of these two teams into the playoffs, but didn't necessarily work out thanks to the Washington football team, or maybe thanks to the Philadelphia Eagles, depending on how you look at it. But story for a little bit later in the show. Giants, let's start off with them. Daniel Jones, 17 to 25, 229 passing yards, 17 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Wayne Gallman, 11 carries, 65 yards, but fumbled once, almost fumbled a second time, too. I don't I don't know. I think Giants uh, bring Barkley back strong next year. Shepard, <laughs> eight receptions, 112 yards, two receptions, 24 yards, and two touchdowns. And when you know, Dante Pettis got involved for the first time this year. Two receptions, 43 yards, and a touchdown for him. Now, uh, a lot of the game was determined late, where the Cowboys essentially had the ball near the goal line, but just moved backwards basically throughout the final two minutes of the game. And that kind of summed up, I think, Andy Dalton's season more or less backwards, unfortunately for him. Dalton yesterday, 29 of 47, 243 passing yards, 48 rushing yards and one interception. Hopefully uh, Andy's had a great career. I'm sure he could continue to be as a backup, but we don't want to see him starting anymore, no doubt. Uh, Zeke Elliott goes out with a whimper, as has been his whole season, 42 rushing yards, three receptions, 19 yards and a touchdown. 
Gallup actually had four receptions in 49 yards. CeeDee Lamb, five for 43. Also a big drop for him in that game. Mari Cooper, six for 41. And then Dalton Schultz capped off his uh, rookie season and a pretty good one, I would say. Seven receptions, 70 yards. I would expect that the Cowboys probably go with the cheaper option in Schultz and let Blake Jarwin uh, go on mm-hmm. his way. And Jarwin, I'm sure, will do fine also, getting a free agent contract. But uh, not a lot of great fantasy here. It was good to see Joe Shepard get more involved. He's had a mm-hmm. massively disappointing season, for sure, from the Giants. But he's sort of tied to the quarterback position. And Daniel Jones had an okay year. I know they'll be expecting more from him come next year. And then for Dallas, I mean, I'm just not even going to judge any of this stuff. Now, defensively, they're horrible. But offensively, I I mean, without Dak Prescott, I I just don't know that anybody could have had expectations. And it was just very up and down all season long. And I'll be back in on them next year, provided that Prescott is the quarterback again. Yeah, uh, look, uh, the Cowboys were very frustrating this year. There's no doubt about that. Uh, And Andy Dalton, I don't know if you could just think it all of a sudden he's a great backup because if you can't be successful with all these weapons that you got, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, three incredible wide receivers, a decent tight end. And it really was a lot more bad than good. Let's be honest. It was getting better. And then this was, I think, a step backwards at the worst possible time. And I understand it's a road game. And I understand the Giants are always out there playing tough. But uh, a healthy Dak Prescott goes a long way and I think makes them the favorite in this division next year, especially considering it could be a very tumultuous offseason for the Eagles. Uh, the Giants, we still have some unknowns. What is the health of Saquon Barkley? But from the Giants' perspective, at least Shepard is finishing the season strong. These are back-to-back good games for him, which is great. That's a good sign. Maybe there were some lingering issue, uh, injury issues that we didn't know about. Perhaps that was some of the reason why Shepard wasn't the guy that many of us hoped he would be this season. But I think if you're the Giants, you continue to build that offensive line, which has improved year over year. You continue to build that through the draft. You get Saquon healthy next year. If you're a six-win team this year with that kind of effort level, and you add back a healthy Saquon Barkley and a little bit more fortified offensive line, who's to say you're not a nine-win team next year? And I think that might get you in that conversation again in the East. Certainly somewhere around nine wins is going to have you in that conversation. But I think the good news, too, if you're the Giant fan out there, is you found your head coach. I mean, Joe Judge has gotten this team to play. There's no doubt about that. They compete. They show up. Wayne Gallman did a great job all season filling in for Barkley. He did, uh, I would say, a very commendable job. You don't love the fumbles here at the end. Certainly slowed down along with the rest of the Giants. But uh, overall, I think if you're a Giants fan, you're looking forward to next year with some optimism for the Cowboys. You're just hoping you get Dak Prescott signed on the dotted line. That's everything. And CeeDee Lamb, despite the drop, is going to be a star next year. Go and be aggressive on CeeDee Lamb in 2021. All right, let's look at the Bills and Dolphins, a game that really was over from start to finish. Uh, Josh Allen, another monster game for him. and didn't even play the whole game. 224 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He threw that in the first quarter. Matt Barkley threw for 164 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Antonio Williams got a lot of the carries in this one. 12 carries, 63 yards. Also scored two touchdowns in this game as the other guys got rest. Isaiah McKenzie, same deal. Six receptions, 65 yards, and three touchdowns. Gabriel Davis had a long touchdown in this one, two for 107. Diggs capped off his great season with a seven for 76. And then John Brown returned from injury and the COVID list, four receptions, 72 yards, as Buffalo uh, had a fantastic season. What can you say? I mean, they've, they've just been great and really great over the past month. On the side of Miami, the numbers really don't tell the story here because Tua was forced to throw uh, 58 times in this game, really partially because of his fault, kept throwing interceptions. He threw three interceptions against Buffalo yesterday. Lynn Bowden also threw a a couple passes and uh, had eight receptions for 44 yards. Miami will probably keep him around next year. 
Gaskin closes with a touchdown, also four receptions and 57 yards. Savan Ahmed, six carries, 29 yards. He scored as well. Both those guys could be backups for sure at running back in the NFL, I would think. And then Devontae Parker, who's had a tough year, uh, closed out with a seven-reception, 116-yard game. So, mm-hmm. look, the reality is Buffalo's playing better than just about anybody, Joe, right now in the mm-hmm. NFL. It's, it's kind of hard to look at them and not think that somehow, I don't know if they'll cover this week, but hard to think that they won't move on. They've had such a great year. Uh, how far they'll go, I don't know, but they definitely are dangerous without a doubt. I thought Miami was really dangerous, too. And, in fact, the line complete, completely flipped. It was a Buffalo minus three and then Miami minus two on Sunday because the notion was was that Josh Allen was going to throw his 41 yards, get the all-time Bills passing record, and then pull him mm-hmm. out of the game. But McDermott had other plans and just kept pounding the Dolphins, and this was just unique uh, to any other team, essentially, in the NFL. And my biggest to- takeaway from this, honestly, is um, – remember it for the future because if buffalo ends up being good and they get into these week 16 week 17 situations where they have leads this is the one team that apparently is just not going to sit guys uh to each mm-hmm. his own andy reed has sat guys every year with philadelphia and kansas city andy reed's gotten his team to the super bowl with both teams won a super bowl last year with kansas city mcdermott joe is just a coach i guess that wants to keep pushing down. Absolutely nothing wrong with that, but that did come as a big surprise to me. I did not see them playing virtually the entire game of the Buffalo Bills. Well, look, I think Buffalo's flying high right now. They're playing their best football. Them and Baltimore are the two most dangerous teams in football right now, in my opinion. The way Baltimore's played defensively, and now Lamar Jackson running amok everywhere, and the way Josh Allen's played this year, and that Buffalo defense stepping up in these last month or so. I mean, they are the Buffalo defense that I was hoping to see earlier in the season that we kept wondering, where are they? But just look at all the names that Josh Allen's able to get involved here. Isaiah McKenzie, Gabriel Davis. I mean, it's incredible. He has really grown, not just as, as a quarterback physically in terms of the mechanics, but also mentally and his ability to find the open guy. And and maybe there's a little bit of the fact that it's the Miami Dolphins and they wanted to make sure that it's their in-division opponent and they wanted to make a statement that this is our division because there was a lot of noise about whether or not Miami could overtake Buffalo at one point in the season. We remember that conversation kind of well. And uh, maybe they took that personally, but I think this will serve the Buffalo team well. They seem like a team that is playing on emotion right now, and w- with all that confidence and playing so well in this game and blowing them out, to me, that is a good confidence builder going into the playoffs for a, a team that was disappointing last year in the playoffs to Buffalo, and they were kind of outshined, and I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think this team learned a lot, and I think there's been a great season of growth for them. McDermott's done a wonderful job. All right, close it out with the AFC East, Patriots and Jets, Cam Newton, and probably what was his final game for New England, 21 of 30, 242 passing yards, 79 rushing yards, 19 receiving yards. Myers threw a touchdown to him. He had four on the day. Sony Michelle, 16 for 76, also scored a touchdown, three receptions, 60 yards. James White scored. Jacoby Myers, as I mentioned, had the touchdown pass. I guess he was a quarterback in high school. I wasn't aware of that. Uh-huh. Six receptions, 68 yards for him. And uh, how do you pronounce this guy's name, Joe? Because I have no Asiasi. idea. Asiasi. Devin Asiasi. Okay. Two receptions. Devin Asiasi. Two receptions, 39 yards, uh, touchdown. I did see the play that he scored yesterday, but I'm not going to pretend that I know who he is. Okay. <laughs> Over to the New York Jets. Sam Darnold, 23 34, 266 passing yards. I'll be honest, uh, he looked terrible. He looked absolutely terrible in this game. One touchdown, two interceptions. Josh Adams, good to see him a little. I mean, I don't know why the Jets have him and not used him all year, but 11 carries, 47 yards, and a touchdown. Perryman, 84 yards. He was a free agent bust, but who knows? It was the Jets. Who's to say? And then Herndon, 
had his best game of the season, honestly. Uh, seven mm-hmm. receptions, 63 yards, and a touchdown. And then late last night, we got the word that Adam Gase was let go. So, uh, Joe, the Jets have the second overall pick, I believe, in the in the upcoming mm-hmm. NFL draft. I think that's more of the story here. And um, and I, and I and I would guess that maybe the top three picks in the draft could end up all being quarterbacks uh, coming up. It's going to be a really interesting draft, I would say. The Jets uh, clearly have a big decision to make as to which quarterback they take, or maybe it's made for them, depending on who the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars is and general manager. Well, I still say it's a foregone conclusion that Lawrence is the number one guy. Maybe I'm wrong about that. That's just kind of how I see it. But whoever comes into this Jets situation, I'm sure they're going to interview people, and some of them will say, no, no, what we're going to do is we're going to take that number two pick, trade back, get even more picks, and restock this organization because that's more important. And I'm sure some people will come in and say, no, no, let's get the next quarterback, new quarterback, new head coach, new regime, no, and start from there. And I think both of those arguments are viable, and we'll see what happens. And if Sam Darnold is definitely uh, on the trade block at some point, I think they will get something for Sam Darnold. I think somebody will take him on as a reclamation project and try to turn him into something. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers would be in a great position to take a flyer on a guy like Sam Darnold, see if they can you know, have him study under Ben Roethlisberger for a year and then maybe turn things over to him in that incredible offense that they've got running. So there, there's definitely some options for the New York Jets and from the Patriots side of things they are a good defensive team they were a good defensive team most of the year they just had no identity on the offensive side and I don't know where Cam's gonna end up maybe back up in Baltimore is a good spot for him similar kind of style offense maybe that he would uh, run well in but overall the Pats have a lot of work to do ahead of them Yep, they, they need a quarterback just as much as the Jets do, honestly. Mm-hmm. All right, coming up next, Browns and Steelers going right down to the wire. Right down. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia. As we get ready for our second hour of the show, stay tuned. We're going to continue to run through all of the fantasy implications from Week 17. Also take a look at the odds moving forward for the playoff games. The lines have shifted quite a bit for the six games coming up this weekend. But let's start off with one of the teams that is headed toward the playoffs for the first time. As I like to say, since we had Blackberries. It was that long ago. Uh, Yeah, Baker Mayfield. 17 of 27, 196 passing yards, 4v4 rushing yards, and one touchdown. Uh, Browns did not play well in this game. I don't know mm-hmm. what was up with them. Nick Chubb, 14 carries, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Landry had a rushing touchdown. And Austin Hooper, who's been quiet for the most part this year, had four receptions, 37 yards, and a score. Uh, Pittsburgh played much better than I thought they would, no doubt. Mason Rudolph. Didn't play particularly well. 22 of 39 is not the percentage you want to see, but he did throw over 300 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Dobbs did play a little bit. He was four for five, also rushed for 20 yards. Claypool, basically, they went back to, like, the jump ball thing with Claypool, and they threw him three. He caught two. 
five receptions, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson had a nice long reception as well. He had three for 96 on the day. Juju Smith-Schuster's had a nice season, six for 65 and a touchdown. And Vance McDonald, I never thought that I would see his name on a list again. But here we are, five receptions, 33 yards. It was Ebron uh, didn't play yesterday. So, uh, look, Cleveland, uh, they, they got in, Joe. I did not think they played well offensively. I did not think they played well defensively. They kind of slogged their way through it. They got off to a good lead, and then they had a chance to put the game away, and they could not. And somehow Pittsburgh sort of stayed in the game, kind of like they did all last year with Mason Rudolph. Like, it's they didn't get blown mm-hmm. out. They just didn't play particularly well. They're going to get Pittsburgh again, and, uh, you know, I don't know. This is, is going to be a tough one to call because I think that Cleveland probably played better football overall in the last couple months than Pittsburgh, but I was just not impressed yesterday in a game that they had to win, and they barely could. I want to take you back a couple weeks ago to that incredible football game, perhaps I think the best game of the whole season, that Baltimore Ravens-Cleveland game that went back and forth, back and forth. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Whoever had the ball last was going to win. And I don't think Cleveland's been the same since losing that game. We talked about, well, if you're Cleveland, you could take a lot out of this loss, right? But it was a very emotional game. And if you look back since that game, they've been uninspiring. Now, look, it, it certainly doesn't help to have had the COVID issues they've had in the last two weeks. Right. From a personnel standpoint, a lot of people are playing who shouldn't always be playing. A lot of people still kind of recovering. A lot of people mispractice. So I get that. So you could put a lot of that in. And you could also make the same argument on the Pittsburgh side, too, of all the things that have been moving around and stuff like that. Maybe that was the reason for them not looking so good down the stretch. It was a huge win for them last week. But I'm in agreement with you. I do not like the way the Browns are playing. And it's not just about the loss to the Jets last week. It goes back a few weeks ago. And ever since that game with Baltimore, I do not think they've been the same. I think something kind of got knocked out of them a little bit. And it kind of hasn't gotten back to that same swagger that Baker Mayfield had. Now, at the end of the game, he was, you know, Baker Mayfield and all these things. But, you know, when they're sitting Roethlisberger and playing Mason Rudolph, who, by the way, look, Rudolph was far from perfect, but... At least I would say this was his best game as a pro that I've seen him play. Uh, certainly better than any game I saw him play last year. He actually found some receivers for a change, which was great. But I don't know, man. I, I, I love Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb is a top five overall pick next year in fantasy. And I don't you know, see anything different. I, I know there's risk with every running back, but Nick Chubb is incredible talent. And he is that offense to me. But this, this Cleveland team now having to go and play Pittsburgh again, I feel like Pittsburgh's going to beat them handily this time around. They really do. They, they should have gone out there against Mason Rudolph and this team and put a thumping on them and made a statement here and kind of challenge. And that was anything but in this game for me, Craig. Yeah, no, they didn't play well. We'll see what the matchup looks like this coming week. Let's move over to Minnesota-Detroit, one of the more entertaining games for sure on Sunday as uh, neither team could stop anybody, and Kirk Cousins took advantage of that. 28 to 40, 405 passing yards. He had four touchdowns on the day, one rushing touchdown. Madison finally got involved in the action with the Vikings. It took all season, and he got 95 yards and two touchdowns on the season's final day with no Dalvin Cook. Justin Jefferson caps off an unbelievable year for him. Nine receptions, 133 receiving yards. What a fantastic guy he has been for Minnesota. Gives you hope for the future there. Adam Thielen, four for 57. And then Chad Beebe scored a touchdown. He had two receptions for 44 yards. Vikings offense, for the most part, hasn't been a big problem. It's this The defense has just been abysmal mm. all year, and um, that's something they'll have to get fixed. The Lions, Matthew Stafford wanted to play in what could be his final game with Detroit. I would love to see him go somewhere else and, and think that there should be a lot of spots for him if someone wants to take a shot. 293 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Adrian Peterson, perhaps his final game, seven carries, 63 yards and a score. 
DeAndre Swift, 12 for 54 on the ground, also scored a touchdown at three receptions. Jones was the story. Marvin Jones Jr., eight receptions, 180 yards, and two touchdowns in the week final season. And then Quintez Cephas, who we'll see a lot next year, I'm guessing, two receptions, 51 yards, and a touchdown. So, Joe, the, the Vikings' offense is good enough to win 9-10 games. Mm-hmm. I, I think if their defense was exactly the same as it was last year, we'd be talking about them in the playoffs and the Bears not. It basically mm-hmm. came down to that game, essentially, where Minnesota was at home. They were a three-point favorite. Chicago went in and won, and that pretty much got them in. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think they kind of bring everybody back who was there last year with a, with some focus in the draft on defense. And for Detroit, I mean, honestly, I, I mean, is this another rebuild headed their way? I mean, I guess so. Like, I, I don't know what to say about them anymore. That was a big disappointment for me this year. They played so many close games last year and lost. And then guess what? They played so many close games this year and lost, too. Nothing changed. Now, uh, look, I think Detroit's a, a page one rewrite. I think Stafford, you move on. You, you know, Kenny Galladay could be gone, too. Uh, I mean, this is really a blank slate here for somebody to come in, and that's not a bad thing, necessarily. I mean, I mean, if you come in with a whole new regime and a whole new outlook, I mean, maybe it's just time there in Detroit to do this again, unfortunately, and, and poor Lions fans. I mean, I know a lot of Lions fans. I don't know why, but apparently I do some friends of mine over the years, and it's just crushing every year to see them know that they feel like the season's over before it starts. And yet they watch every game and they love this team and they root for this team and there's such a bond with the fan base and this team for some reason. I don't know why because they haven't given them a lot of joy, but they are loyal and they love the Lions. And I think maybe the best thing for the Lions to do now is just really start from scratch and tear the whole thing down. You do have a young running back in Swift you can build off of and you can go through this and, and maybe move on from Stafford, get a little younger in some spots and bring in a new voice, bring in a new coach, new GM, a no, new whole regime and just start from scratch and try to rebuild the Lions with a new identity. I think that's probably the best way to go. And in terms of the Vikings, you know, it's funny because in the beginning of the year, they had that Daniil Hunter injury, and that kind of popped up right as the season was starting, and certainly they missed him. But I think more than anything, Minnesota missed that building and the fans because that was one of the few, I would say, real home field advantages that existed. That is a very loud building. That is a tough building for other people to go in and play, to hear snap counts, to do anything. And I think perhaps we overrated the Minnesota Vikings defense. And you go back and you look at some of the game logs of them at home compared to on the road over the last few years. Let me tell you, maybe the Vikings defense wasn't that great. Maybe they were a product of the environment a little bit. And that's something from an organization you got to sit back and kind of evaluate and be honest with that evaluation and say, let's go out and get some more linebackers. Let's go get healthier and and move things around. And what's puzzling to me is when you see a great game like this out of Madison, why they tied up so much cap space with Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook is a phenomenal player. He's an all-world kind of running back. But can you get similar productivity from Madison? Can you get similar productivity from other guys in this offense? I think the answer is yes. And now they're kind of in a tough spot because they have a lot of money tied up in Cousins, a lot of money tied up in Cook. I don't think Adam Thielen will be here next year with the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Certainly Jefferson was the the boon of the draft. There's no doubt about that. But you see guys like BB stepping up and having good moments. I think Minnesota is, is in an interesting spot next year to kind of retool themselves a little bit. But they are going to be a little hamstrung by that cap because of the Cousins investment, because of the Cook investment, to be able to make the changes on defense that they might have to make. And that might mean the end of Adam Thielen or somebody else there that you're not necessarily thinking about. 
Yeah, definitely. The, the home field is a good point, too. Like, that's that's just a really big advantage for them in games, and they Huge. didn't have that at all this year, no doubt. Defense just couldn't get right. They looked awful against New Orleans, awful against Detroit, back-to-back weeks. Yeah. All right, uh, we closed it out, this segment here, with the Bucks and Atlanta Falcons, and Tampa Bay got in charge real early and often in this one, but sort of let Atlanta back in the game. Bucks have been doing this all season. Brady, 399 passing yards, four touchdowns. He, he threw for another 40 touchdown season. The guy is just unstoppable. Ronald Jones, 12 on the ground, 78 yards and a touchdown. Antonio Brown, who we discussed before, had his uh, numbers inflated a little bit because Tom Brady wanted to get him his bonus. This is true. If you go back and look, 11 receptions, 138 yards. He did score two touchdowns. Got to give him credit for that. Chris Godwin, five for 133 and two scores. And Mike Evans had uh, went down with an ankle injury in the game and didn't come back. We'll see if he's available for the playoffs. Regardless, Bucks have Brown and Godwin. Those are huge there. And uh, three receptions, 46 yards for Evans. Up and down season for him. Closed out strong. Atlanta Falcons-wise, Matt Ryan, 29 of 44, 265 passing yards and two touchdowns for him. Brian Hill ended up getting the bulk of the carries. Uh, I believe Gurley uh, fumbled on the goal line, and then they brought Brian Hill in, and that was pretty much it. Nine carries, 94 yards, three receptions, 42 yards. So maybe Hill's a, uh, a backup moving forward for Atlanta. Could be. Russell Gage, 11 rushing yards, nine receptions, 91 receiving yards. He closed out very strong with a touchdown. Calvin Ridley's great season comes to an end with 13 fantasy points, and then Hayden Hurst scored a late touchdown, four receptions, 28 yards there. Uh, look, Falcons we could get to at another time here, Joe, but the Bucks are, are certainly going in, I, I would think, and, and they are a pretty significant favorite against Washington, but they are just so unpredictable, and, and, they, and they don't put teams away either. It seems like teams just mm-hmm. keep scoring on them, and I understand they had two very big defensive players that didn't play in this game, but this game is going to be the premier game played of the weekend, I think. Um, it kind of NFL gets bailed out a little bit. I don't think anybody wants to see Washington, but you get Tom Brady on a Saturday night. And I think a lot of people mm-hmm. will tune in to see how far he can take them. Oh, look, I mean, you know, Tom Brady continues to defy all logic, <laughs> to all, all, all reason. I mean, he's just incredible. And this is why he's the goat. Now, if you're Bruce Arians, I think you look at this and you see the fantasy standouts here and you see Ronald Jones having a touchdown, Antonio Brown having 11 catches of 138. You see Godwin over 100. You see Mike Evans, uh, unfortunately, you know, with the injury, but he looked good in that game before the injury. You're clicking on all offensive cylinders, right? Defense has been great against the run. The question is, can you protect Tom Brady against this front of Washington? And I know we'll dive more into that this week. But if there's got to be one person or maybe even two that you don't want to see if you're Tom Brady, it's Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Like, those are the guys right now I think if you're Tom Brady you're most afraid of. And we all know historically, like most great quarterbacks or any quarterback for that matter, you put pressure on them, you knock them down, it's not the same. And the same has been true of Brady this season. The teams that have had success against the Bucs are the teams that put Tom Brady on his back. And we all know that Tom Brady, the 43, is not the guy who's going to be running around like Jalen Hurts or like Kyler Murray and all of a sudden eluding that kind of coverage. He He's mobile in the pocket, but he's not going to be able to get out in space if, if that pocket collapses. That's just not who Tom Brady has always been. And, and I give him a lot of credit because he's improved in the latter part of his career on that, which is incredible. And again, this is why he's still playing at such a high level. I, I think Bruce Arians, this is the experiment. I'm going to have 17 weeks to get this team to look like this statistically. And then I'm going to take my shot in the playoffs with them. And I can't say that, you know, he's not going to have success that way. But to me, Craig, I look at this and this has all been a tune up for now, for this weekend, for Saturday night. 
This whole season has just been about this. It's like one big training camp. They knew they were going to play a playoff team. They knew they were going to figure things out here. But now the season really begins for the Bucs. And I'm curious, do you think when you're taking the temperature of the Bucs, do you think they are ready now for the test of the playoffs? A really unpredictable team. I, I think I think Bucks and Titans are the two teams that I could go both ways. I could see them winning big and losing big, and I and it wouldn't surprise me either way. Um, just an odd team, I think. Uh, and as far as the Falcons go, Joe, I mean, I don't have them in the Detroit category, but I gotta say, I mean, how many years in a row can you just keep like patchworking it and trying to make it work? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the new coach has to start from the beginning, man. I do. I, I, I mean, every year they're going to be seven and nine next year with a couple of guys. I don't know. All right, coming up next Ravens and Bengals capping off their season. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. we got plenty to come here in the second hour. Our headlines are next. We'll look at the odds, live odds on FanDuel uh, in terms of the NFL games coming up this weekend. But quickly, let's go through one of the games that really uh, was kind of over from start to finish. A very rare deal on a Sunday. A lot of the games were actually close. This one was not. The Ravens just throttled Cincinnati from start to finish. Lamar Jackson had three touchdowns in the game, one interception, 113 passing yards, 97 rushing yards. Dobbins on the ground just kept just running and chunking off the Cincinnati Bengals plays. There's nothing was happening there. It was, they couldn't stop him at all. Marquise Brown had five receptions, 41 yards, two touchdowns. He almost had a third, but of course he dropped it. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals on their side. Brandon Allen had played so well to this point. Poor Brandon Allen got himself into a great spot to be a backup. And now who knows what after this performance, six for 21, 48 passing yards, two interceptions, Travion Williams, four carries, 74 yards, one reception, three yards. Samaje Pirine had nine carries for 51 rushing yards. T. Higgins got hurt early. They did not bring him back in the game. Uh, Cincinnati had played very competitive for a long time, but it did not seem like they had any interest uh, being involved in this game. And the good news, Joe, is that we don't have to hear that Joe Mixon is questionable going into next week because officially <laughs> he's never played for like the final six games, seven games, whatever it was of the season. Yeah. But I, I do think I agree with your sentiment. Whatever was going on with the Ravens early on in the season doesn't appear to be happening right now. And they're a very dangerous team. And they play a Tennessee team this week that I think Tennessee could beat Baltimore 41-10. to And they could also lose 51-10. to um, That They're that kind of unpredictable team. Uh, that, that may be, I mean, I'm only leaning at this stage of the week. Definitely have to see the line move and understand where the money is to you know get a better understanding. But of all the games, I would say going in, I do think that that the Titans are going to have a really hard time with the Ravens this week. 
I do that's too. what I think. Uh, look, I do too, and I want to give him all the credit. Lamar back-to-back 1,000-yard uh, seasons rushing the first quarterback to ever do that. That's an incredible statistic there for him. But Baltimore Ravens are, are clicking on all cylinders. They're very dangerous, but I'd lean Baltimore early on in that game. But you're right, that's got four outcomes potentially written all over it. All right, speaking of outcomes, we're going to go through the point spreads in all six games coming up next. So make sure you stay here on the grid. Also, an update on tonight's college basketball games as well. Go away. Thank you.